Warning, the profanity starts in three, two, fuck. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Robin Hood and by not punching that family member right in their mouth. Hey, hey, you can do it. You can do it. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Nicolas Cage, and I literally say yes to every film I'm ever offered, but despite starring in the straight-to-DVD rapture-based travesty left behind, I can assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey man! Thursday. It's Thanksgiving in the U.S. And I'm thankful to be an atheist. Wrong show. They don't own gratitude, Heath. <laughs> I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Trailerham, New Jersey, Cincinnati <laughs> Swing State, and Good Husband Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we yell the things you wish you could right now. Pat Robertson's face traps a mosquito and a spicy Cheeto. For the scientists of the future. <laughs> and we'll crack open Case for Christ just so you can be thankful that you didn't. But first, the diatribe. When I did my first Thanksgiving diatribe, I felt it was pretty obvious what it should be about, right? I mean, of all the holidays we've got, it's the biggest one that doesn't have a Jesus tie-in. It's sort of a, a proof of concept that you can have the holiday without the holy. So I did a diatribe about how great it was to see my country coming together for a national secular holiday. I talked about how, you know, maybe non-exclusionary holidays were the way to go. And in response to that diatribe, I got a few different emails from confused listeners and at least one angry one who were shocked at my gross mislabeling of Thanksgiving. They insisted that it was far from a secular holiday and that suggesting that it was amounted to revisionist history. So I emailed back and forth with them trying to keep my "de fuck you talking abouts as polite as possible. I mean, because to me, it was a no brainer. Right. Thanksgiving doesn't commemorate any religious moment. It's not somebody's birth or death or rebirth. The mythology around it isn't religious in nature. Hell, even Linus can get through a Thanksgiving special without preaching to us. But here I had a handful of seemingly smart and thoughtful people vehemently disagreeing. See, in their childhood homes, Thanksgiving was every bit as religious as Easter or Christmas. There were special Wednesday night services. You said an elaborate prayer before and after the meal. It was sold to him as a day set aside to be thankful for the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. And the history of Thanksgiving at least kind of backs him up here. I mean, it's a complex history and nobody's 100% sure where it comes from. But very clearly for large spans of our nation's history, it was a tradition almost entirely propagated by the church. It sort of got nationalized by force during the Civil War, but even then it was proclaimed as a day to ask God to be nice to all the new widows and shit. Now, that being said, I'd still argue that it's a secular holiday, but I have to admit that the borders are fuzzy, not because these things are especially hard to define, but because one side of the argument is actively invading the other. Thanksgiving is secular, but only because we won't let Christianity have it. 
I mean, you got to imagine that the argument I was having with those listeners played out at some point way back in the day about Christmas or Easter, right? Some dude said, you know what I love about Yule time is that we can set aside all our religious differences and just enjoy a nice secular celebration. And some other dude said, the fuck are you talking about? We're celebrating Jesus' birth here. And the other guy said that wouldn't even make any sense based on his birth narrative in the Bible. And the other guy said, burn that heretic. Same thing almost certainly happened with Easter. I mean, conditioned as we are to a world where religion is a thing that has its very own magisteria, when we hear that Easter and Christmas have pagan roots, we think about that in religious terms. It was a religious holiday that this other religion called paganism originally had, and then this religion called Christianity took it. But that's not the right way to look at it. Through most of human history, they didn't separate out religion from the secular parts of their culture. Religion wasn't as codified as it is now, and you didn't have fucking monotheists running around making it such a pain in the ass for everybody else. So religion and culture just blended into a singular thing. I mean, I'm sure if you ask some individual pagan about their religion, they could give you very specific shit, probably a lot more specific than what the average Christian can give you today. But it wouldn't be uniform. And paganism was just a blanket term for all the people with religions that didn't start in the Middle East. So it's not like there was some centralized temple of paganism that was laying down these various celebrations, which means that the winter and spring celebrations that eventually became Christmas and Easter weren't the creation or the property of some religion back in the day. They were the property of some culture. And not even one particular culture. Even today, Christians celebrate Christmas in wildly different ways from one Christian country to the next. Imagine how much more diverse the celebrations would have been in a largely tribal world with no mass communication. And then along comes monotheism, that asshole friend that has to make everything about them and starts laying claim to the day itself and saying, yeah, it just so happens our Lord and Savior already had dibs on those ancient celebrations. So now they're Christian. And they're still doing it today, just less effectively since we took away their burning at the stake privileges. If Thanksgiving didn't have such recent historical origins, you can bet your ass the Catholics would have laid claim to it and said that that was the day the angel appeared to Joseph for that awkward cuckold talk or something. So they do the next best thing. They ingrain the idea that it already is a religious holiday to such a profound degree that even atheists who have rejected their dogma so thoroughly, they entertain themselves with atheist podcasts, hear somebody say Thanksgiving is a secular holiday and feel the need to say in a correction. It doesn't matter if religion didn't mix the flour or knead the dough or bake the bread. It's their goddamn loaf. And to say otherwise is to deprive them of their rightful property. But by and large, I think Thanksgiving is safe from them. I think we've got our atheistic clause deep enough into it to insulate it from the church. And they've had a lot of trouble winning arguments since they lost the ability to kill the people that disagreed with them. And in that sense, one might even look at this holiday, at least in American terms, as something of a cultural Stalingrad. They've used and continue to use the same tactics that worked so well for them when they invaded Christmas and Easter, and there was only a token force there to defend them. But by the time they reached Thanksgiving, they were stretched thin, they were tired, they were depleted of resources, and we had the will to fight back until they turned around. And that's fair, right? It's fair for us to fight. Our collective culture built this goddamn thing, and it's a pretty good thing. It's got food and parades and hand silhouette turkeys. It's what happens when you tell a cultural, hey, this is a day that's special, sort it out, and then just let cultural evolution have its say. It's a patchwork holiday that better encapsulates America's patchwork culture than any celebration handed down from on high by a central church could ever hope to be. And it's still ours. And for that, I'm thankful. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight aren't Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick because they're out of town for the holidays. Fellas, are you ready to have done headlines already? Uh, yeah, I made a few fun predictions here just in case. Uh, Trump said, what? 
I don't know if the atheist community will ever get over this feud. Heath is dead. So yeah, just fill those in. <laughs> I'd like to... <coughs> All right, well, there you go. And on that depressing note, we'll join the gently used headlines already in progress. Do you make the sound of Pac-Man when you die? I do. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. And in very bad wizard news tonight, the students of West Middle School in Moline, Illinois, followed in the disappointed footsteps of so many children this week when they attended a performance by illusionist Zach Mirzada. Rabbits were pulled from hats. Leather jackets were worn by someone who had no business wearing them. <laughs> and then at the end of the show, students were invited back that evening with their parents for a special bonus performance that promised, quote, more magic free prizes and food, mm. end quote. And yet, to their horror, when students arrived, they encountered the only thing worse than a magic show. <laughs> um, another magic show? A second yeah. magic show? <laughs> close. Same day. Close. A second <laughs> Christian magic show. <laughs> hey! Still, where did the... Where did the thoughts and prayers come from? <laughs> yeah, no, I've been saying for years there was no way to make the linking ring routine worse because I never considered they could represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know he did that. Oh, indeed. <laughs> and you never saw a man who only has use of one of his arms because he had a stroke perform it according to that theme. Like I did at a magic convention three years ago. <laughs> So, yes, instead of the dated comedy and obviously store-bought <laughs> magic these children were expecting, Mirzada told the audience about his conversion from Islam to Christianity, asked what? them to raise their hand if they accepted Jesus during his performance, and oh, my God. favorite, at the end, held an altar call to oh, celebrate Jesus. people's spiritual birthday. <laughs> he pulls a quarter from behind the kid's ear. Puts it in the collection plate. God. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Gross. And for my next trick, I'll walk through this solid wall of separation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, this did take place in a middle school. So the FFRF has written the school district a, hey, maybe you find a magician who doesn't think magic is real letter. But to be fair to the school district, Christians do this sneaky shit all the time under guise of popular entertainment. Yes. In fact... They do it so often, this is true, that in the few unfortunate mistaken times a school has booked me to perform for children, I've had multiple people ask me some version of, hey, are you going to try to trick the kids into switching religions? Yep. <laughs> yeah, been there. <laughs> and in Vax Fifth Avenue news, a school in New York got roped into a legal battle last week after they refused to let a four-year-old boy with no vaccinations come into their building full of kids who don't want to die of the rickets. The and, perfect um, crime. <laughs> yeah. And turns out there's actually a measles outbreak happening right now. So the school has a very strict no-plague policy. I feel like that's fair. It's sad that there are gradients of strictness there, though, right? <laughs> Shouldn't have to be, no. So uh, in response to this, the anti-vaxxer parents filed a lawsuit arguing, I guess... There needs to be some reasonable amount of plagues allowed inside the school. A reasonable amount, especially considering their sincerely held religious belief about uh, minimum plague standards or whatever the fuck they're trying to say. 
cool. I feel like this lawsuit gets solved by everyone just tapping out, right? Like they show up and everyone's just like, you know what? Tapping out. Nope. Nope. And away. Nope. 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 <laughs> yeah. So the parents took it to court and asked for a preliminary injunction, which is fucking crazy. A preliminary <laughs> injunction, if it were granted, would force the school to admit little typhoid Jerry and let him rub his pus-filled boils all over the other kids while the legal battle gets decided, which could take months or possibly years. We don't know. Fortunately, the court decided that spreading disease all over the fucking place was a bigger problem than one kid having to learn nap time at home. He's four years old. Go fuck yourself. So they denied the injunction. But the case is still moving forward, so we're still going to hear about this. Yeah, no, the, the school is being asked by the court to justify their current vaccination policy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you could get there in three words. Your Honor, mortality. Right? Seven, <laughs> if you count, I rest my case. A little behind the scenes for everybody here. I counted those words. Got six. Nope. nope. Uh, let me finish. Wrote six question mark in okay. the margins, to which Noah replied seven to which I recounted and wrote seven. Just in case you're wondering what our writing process is like here at The Scathing Atheist, there's... Um, us teaching you to count. That's Kinda, what the process yeah, is that's, like. Yeah, that yeah. sums it up. Cool. A lot of our Count, writing process. Counting numbers between one and ten, yeah. So here's where it gets interesting. The school in question is a pro-vaccine Orthodox Jewish school, but the parents are anti-vaccine Orthodox Jewish people. So... Apparently, there's some sort of dispute over which part of the Torah is more important, the part that says vaccines aren't kosher, or the part that says you shouldn't let shitloads of innocent kids get murdered by stupid. So, tough call. That, I mean, I don't know how they're going to That's why you have rabbis, I guess, to sort out those difficult questions like that one. All right. Another behind the scenes. At first, I read that as that's why you have rabies, I guess. And in context, it still made perfect sense. <laughs> sad when you can just sub those two out. Yes. So apparently the bigger issue of a school's right to have a vaccination policy is still up for debate somehow. And depending on how that goes, we might get to find out what happens when the unstoppable force, religion, meets the immovable object, also religion. <laughs> Usually the answer is preventable death. Yeah. In this case, of kids. Hopefully that changes, but I am not holding my breath. Well, except when you enter schools filled with airborne Spanish flu. But other than that. <laughs> I, I don't want to be this guy, but I could win this argument in an afternoon if they'll let me give the vaccines away for free. I know my people. I know how to solve these things. <laughs> yeah, so regardless of how the court battle turns out, the way this particular school handles this issue makes me very happy. Uh, their policy is... Vaccinations are required, but you can request an exemption based on your religious beliefs. So these anti-vaxxer parents were like, oh, okay, can, can we get that exemption? We're Jewish. And the school was like, no, we're Jewish. <laughs> Not a good system, but at least this one school is doing it right. So. Yeah, they're like, no, you can request an exemption. Yeah, you can Go re ahead. request Go it again. Ahead. No, this is fun. This is fun. Ask again if you can have an exemption. No. Go crazy. Before you say anything, no. <laughs> and in putting the AG back in red flag news tonight, I want to take a quick minute to remind you that there's more wrong with acting attorney general 
at the time of this recording, fingers crossed, Matthew Whitaker than just the fact that he's an unqualified, prejudiced sycophant that got his job by promising not to do it. He's also a theocratic bigot. I mean, I feel like he mentioned that somewhere in the job interview. Like there was a moment where he was like, wait, wait, and, and I'm a theocratic bigot. Oh, cool. I also noticed under special skills, uh, well, it just says magic, comma, Leviticus. Uh, so if you promise to never do magic, you're hired. Just, just like when we interviewed Eli. So among no the exceedingly long list of things Whitaker has failed at in his life is a 2014 senatorial campaign in Iowa, which he actually pre-failed by taking fourth place in a primary behind the likes of Sam, you're going to finish that Clovis. But during that campaign, so big. I miss he, Sam Clovis. I want him to say more still stuff. there. I want he's him to still, say stuff, yeah. though. Yeah, right, is he in charge right? of a health thing? Isn't he? <laughs> he is the agriculture department <laughs> eating us out of house and home. Anyway, so during that campaign, Whitaker did go on the record stating that he would only support federal judges that had a biblical view of the law. When asked at a primary debate how he would assess potential judges, he said, quote, I'd like to see things like their worldview. What informs them? Are they people of faith? Boom. Do they have a biblical view of justice? Oh. If they have a secular worldview where this is all we have here on earth, then I'm going to be very concerned about that judge. End quote. Just standing beside some guy twirling his finger by his ear. Sorry, Mr. I don't believe in a sky demon that will punish me for thoughts. I don't think you're right for the job. <laughs> All right, so at the time, Whitaker's campaign responded to reminders that religious tests for office are expressly forbidden by the Constitution with a statement that read in part, can you hear anybody? Because I don't hear anybody. I don't hear anybody. <laughs> and by the way, if you're thinking that biblical view might mean he's at least okay with a, a Jew judge? No. No. There's no way. <laughs> no, no. When he started talking about biblical views of justice, the moderator at this Christian zealot theocrat debate Asked for clarification by asking, quote, Levitical or New Testament, end quote. There Which, was a hand gesture. You know there was a hand gesture. Yeah, right. Like it, either it means he was literally asking a Senate candidate if they would support judges who called for the stoning to death of sexually active teenagers, or he was just using Christian supremacist code words for you don't mean Jews now, do you? And, and he did not mean Jews. He responded without hesitation. No, no, no. He was talking about the completed biblical world. Of yeah, 100%. All the way evolved. Charizard. Um, he also added, I guess you could say I'm unqualified for a job as attorney general. And it's super important. Everybody knows that. Not sure yes! why I'm mentioning it right now. And then he turned to camera and listed our names like one of those weird 3D movies they tried in the 90s. <laughs> and in County Smirk news tonight, loser and mental image of Ted Nugent's mom, former county clerk Kim Davis, has got a new job already lined up after being soundly and roundly defeated in her bid for re-election this week. That's right. She's going to be a Christian. Oh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I had 400 bucks on mashed potato sculpture of Devil's Tower for the Close Encounters remake. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. I had... Start a giant blue T-shirt endowment, or <laughs> smash James Con's ankles with a hammer. So, I feel like I'm still in the running, though, right? Absolutely. No, that's true. That's... Doesn't preclude those. James is on vacation. We can make it happen. 
So <laughs> according to her attorney, Matt Staver of Liberty Council, who appeared on the show Crosstalk this week, Davis, who achieved national fame for not doing her job, Mm -hmm. never wanted to be reelected anyway, so it doesn't even count. <laughs> even if she did, she's going to go hang out with her best friend Jesus, so there. <laughs> Sun was in her so, eyes. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's the slightly less exaggerated than what I just did quote. Kim did not campaign. Interestingly, Kim just focused on doing her job. Well, to be fair, that takes more focus for her than for most. <laughs> not her thing. Yeah. She <laughs> ran a very unconventional campaign. She didn't do a official fundraisers. One. Yeah. She didn't go out and beat the bushes. She's somebody who's not your typical politician. She spent her waking hours really working on her job. End quote. I, I love that she didn't do official fundraisers. Right. I guess evenings and weekends at the glory hole off exit 137 are unofficial. <laughs> you Doesn't sound like soft money. I mean, <laughs> she's behind a wall, so it could. Is this blowjob tax deductible? No. <laughs> Talk about modest needs. So then, after saying that her opponent probably won't do a good job because he's willing to do it, mm -hmm. Staver added, quote, frankly, I think what she's going to do and where she's been wanting to go is into some form of ministry. That's where the Lord is leading her this time. <laughs> no, okay, okay, but keep in mind that the last place that the Lord led her was jail, <laughs> right? I mean, she needs to stop following that dude is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, in related news, Davis has said that if she is assigned to a ministry, she'll immediately convert to Islam so she can get right on not doing that job as well. <laughs> <laughs> and in ex-gay news tonight, we have a rather rare treat. On today's show, he's only come up once in a while. It's a story about a super religious person who got caught having consensual sex with other adults. Oh, congratulations, religion. You are bound to fuck right eventually. Broken cock twice a day. Now, 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 Noah, before you get too excited, the subject of today's story, Orthodox Jew Norman Goldwasser, who was caught on a variety of gay hookup acts soliciting sex, currently serves as the clinical director of Horizon Psychological Services in Miami Beach. I hope you hear the air quotes there. Uh, because he claims to be an ex-gay and promotes conversion therapy. Oh, for fuck's wow. sake. Just giving super clumsy, toothy blowjobs and rubbing guys' dicks on his stubble really hard. Just like, gross, right? Men are gross. <laughs> that is going to take a while to heal, by the way. That is raw. Maybe stick with ladies. Just probably better. Here's your bill, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So in sort of a anti-advertisement for the whole sexuality-changing side of his brand, Goldwasser was exposed by a former patient who had been propositioned by him on Manhunt and Grinder under the pseudonym Hot and Harry 72. Oh, God. Now, the accounts have been disabled, and Goldwasser has yet to give a statement. Either way, I think the old expression about the cobbler's kids going shoeless takes on a whole new meaning here. <laughs> Something we need to... Still, you get exposed by your own patient like that, you gotta wonder what that would be like. What that would be like. Hey, are you pretty boy 16? Yeah. Uh, are you... Hot and hairy chance, 76. Um, you bet. All uh, right. 
Let's get uh, rubbing our butts together or whatever gay guys no, do, that's huh? Not, nope, that, not what gay sex is. Weird how you would describe that. No, I was going to ask you, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Are you Norman Goldwasser? Who? No. Who's that? Dr. Norman Goldwasser? You were, you were my gay conversion therapist. Mm. Which is, I'm Josh, remember? Oh, was I? Yeah. So, how's it going? The not being gay thing? Uh, mm. Not not great. Not great. But it uh, seems like it's not going great for you either. So. Oh, me? No, uh, uh, this right here was uh-huh. a test. And I'm, I'm sorry oh. to tell you, uh, Josh, you failed. Uh, bad. Oh, this was a test. Yep, test. From you. Mm-hmm. So you posted naked pictures of yourself on Grinder as a... As a test. As yep. Really care about you crazy kids. That's... Come here, okay, you. Okay, don't, don't touch, though. All right. No, don't touch. Uh, well, my work here is done. I'm just going to take off these chaps, uh, which are always ashless. I don't know if you know that, but uh, the term assless is redundant when you're talking about chaps. And I'll um, be headed on my way. Great. Uh, and your dildo? Test dildo. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll... Uh, Take that, too. Don't touch me. And we're back. Next up in headlines, Christian parents in Bakersville, North Carolina. That's right. It's time for another Christian <laughs> freakout, Anna. Bad guys talking about it's the newest, the greatest Christian freakout. Yeah, so the Christian parents in Bakersville, North Carolina did exactly what you'd assume. They had a meltdown last week after a local theater company performed a Shakespeare review at the town's public high school. Apparently, there was way too much secular material like drinking alcohol, incest and suicide, none of which is found in the Bible. So I didn't like that. Okay, to be fair, most of the incest in Shakespeare is in the histories and and the man's just recording what happened. You can't. Well, don't blame the bard. (laughs) Really, though. Uh, but yeah, apparently they sent to the church a letter that says, yeah, we were going to do something from your book, but that stuff is illegal to even pretend you're doing. So, you know, <laughs> had to go with the greatest writer in the history of any language that there is. Sorry. No, Sorry. Team of writers. But yeah, so the response <laughs> this town of Kill you. 464 people went with was to wish away the evil by forming a prayer circle, which could only be distinguished from the checkout line at Walmart based on the circular shape. Yep, that'll do <laughs> a great picture. It's just a sloppy blend of non-ironic camouflage and diabetic cankles and jazz scooters <laughs> with gun racks and trailer hitch testicles on the back. It's not great. Also, they're liars, by the way. <laughs> the local news station was told that the prayer circle was all about the secular material, but apparently it was about hating gay people. There was a stage kiss between two male cast members, <gasps> and that's why everyone panicked. They even started a petition to ban any material that would, quote, promote homosexuality, incest, suicide, or any other sick space <laughs> that would be contrary to life, end quote. What? Okay. I mean, say what, what you want about incest. Hey, what if you stop talking? But right, it right is here. it is not contrary to life. 
Let's just be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, no, let's be fair, though. It was suspicious immediately when we said, like, all of a sudden, North Carolina has an issue with incest. Not buying it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, normally, when you hear a headline like this, you assume it was just some ignorant parents who were like, boo, gay, acting's gay. But this time, they were like, boo, literally homosexual. Acting is literally <laughs> homosexual. The entire concept theater is is very confusing to me sexually but also in general i don't understand <laughs> acting we can't have our kids learning about gay people and alcohol and suicide that's crazy we want them learning about jesus who wandered the desert with his all-male entourage and did wine magic and <laughs> how he killed himself in order fuck I thought I had like a good rant. Go, whatever. Shakespeare's gay. Is gay. <laughs> I mean, there is some evidence to suggest that. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. In the first folio, it's originally uh, to be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> yeah. And in prep news tonight, pastor, TV host, <laughs> and the owner of the first ever set of windswept jowls, Pat Robertson <laughs> was asked on his show, The 700 Club, this week by the owner of a nonprofit what to do about those pesky employees who are uncomfortable when she prays to Jesus at their monthly meetings. Uh, and his answer was, I'm going to say, expect it. Uh, okay, okay, I got this. Uh, was it, I'm melting, I'm melting, please lick around the bottom of my face like an ice cream cone, I'm melting. <laughs> No, no, no. It was a brief glimpse of self-awareness where he just cried out, it should have been me, Stan. Oh, both, <laughs> both good. But no, with all the determination of a YouTube Freeman on the land who is definitely about to get tased, Robertson insisted he was not hurting anybody and demanded that the listeners stick to her Jesus-filled guns because he's... Sick and tired of being told he's the only asshole, damn it. Right. No, yeah. One asshole is just an asshole, but if they all asshole together, it's Alabama. Yeah. So here's <laughs> the exact quote. Quote, if you're a nonprofit, you can do what you want to do. End quote. Uh, are, are we sure about that? Because <laughs> V for C is a charity event. I have some things. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. Thought so. Just checking. Throwing it out there. Uh, he continues. And if you don't give glory to God, he'll take away his blessing. All right, cool. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for your advice, Allah Akbar. Fuck, wait, uh, wait, <laughs> wait. Ah, oh, shit. A whole scoop fell off that time. I'm, oh. <laughs> Just a crying little cannot kid move quickly. next to Pat Robertson's head on a sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he added, don't stop talking about Jesus, whatever you do. All right? End quote. Though <laughs> at the time of the recording, it was unclear if that was advice to his listener or him externalizing the voice in his head. Either way, he continues to be the worst. And, and that's saying something on our show. It really is. Yeah, I mean, at this point, just making us wait to use that obituary is becoming rude. Yeah, it's dusty. It's got a bunch <laughs> of old jokes. <laughs> And while we patiently await Pat Robertson's demise, we'll close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, we'll take a break from roasting mere mortals and get back to fucking with Jesus. Hey, podcast listener. 
Did you make the mistake of getting excited about yet another Robin Hood movie, even though Hollywood hasn't made a good one since 1938 unless you count the Disney one, just to see that this one has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes and is being described by critics as blundering, ugly, and strobing between boredom and absurdity? Well, then why not try a Robin Hood that doesn't suck? See, Robin Hood isn't just an uninspired movie full of action sequences that would disappoint you in a video game. It's also an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robin Hood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. And unlike the dialogue and directorial choices in the new movie, Robin Hood the investing app is easy to understand. Their web platform provides easy-to-understand charts and market data, and you can place a trade in just four taps in your smartphone. They even allow you to view stock collections like 100 most popular stocks, sectors like entertainment, social media, and curated categories like, for example, companies with a female CEO. And best of all, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. All you have to do is sign up at scathing.robinhood.com. That's scathing.robinhood.com. Robinhood. Because if Ridley Scott couldn't do it, what made somebody think some director who just did TV stuff was going to nail it? No, I'm sorry. Robin Hood. Investing for the rest of us. Hey, podcast listeners. We know that today, many of you will have a meaningful glance turned your way as you're asked to say grace. And moments like this can be damned confounding. So without further ado, a few suggestions for your holiday table. Dear Lord, thank you for not... Providing enough food for the starving Africans. Nobody likes a fatty. Dear Lord, we take a moment to bow our heads as we wear mixed fibers, our genitals still covered in the juices of premarital sex and sodomy, to thank you for blessing this mixed milk and meat, which you were super clear about us not eating, all deep in the knowledge that there are Canaanite babies out there somewhere with heads unsmashed. Dear Lord, I want to fuck. And that's it. Two jokes. Rule of twos, everybody. Everybody loves the rule of twos. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. You know, there are a lot of great things about doing vulgarity for charity. We raise money for people in need. We unite our community in the inner warmth of generosity. We insult people who really deserve it. But perhaps best of all, we get to postpone this scheduled Case for Christ segment for like at least a couple of weeks. We didn't have to read it at all, but now. And $60,000 for people who need it and counting. And counting. As of you hearing this, a question. If we make 100000 can we stop reading these books, please? No, because then there's all the more reason that we have to do it. Again next year. And joining us in our procrastination was my lovely wife, Lucinda Lusions. Lucinda, good to have you back. You tricked me into marrying you. I shouldn't I be talking about I this did. shit. No, I'm, I'm surprised it took you this long to figure that out. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We put this off as long as we could. It's time to dive into the third and final section of the case for Christ, researching the resurrection. Don't know what he's been doing up till now, but we're going to start with chapter 11. <laughs> the medical evidence. Was Jesus's death a sham and his resurrection a hoax. Those are two separate propositions, by the way. Um, Was yes, Jesus' no, death a resurrection a hoax? Yeah, and this time around, the subject of his gay porn fanfic intro is Dr. Robert J. Stein, one of the world's foremost forensic pathologists. <gasps> okay, he this dude has a plaque on his wall that says, let conversation cease, let laughter flee, 
This is the place where death delights to help the living. Dude, there's love in your work, and there's being very obviously the killer at the beginning of a Law and Order episode. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And apparently this guy, Robert Stein, is so fucking good at being a medical examiner, his testimony got serial killer John Wayne Gacy convicted. Yep. Uh They found 26 bodies in his house. Yes. And then Bobby Stein was like, yup, corpses. I am the best in the world at this. This one got stabbed at an angle of, nope, you're done. You're done. done. I don't even know why we brought you here. You definitely killed them. All right. So now that Leah's knocked off all the objections of atheists, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Jains, etc., it's time to take on that last bastion of doubters Christians who think the resurrection was just a magic trick, though. <laughs> it's our last argument. Really hope it works. That yeah. is all we have left. Yeah. Well, he opens up the argument against us by saying, you know who else doesn't believe Jesus died on the cross? Muslim. You're like a Muslim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know who did believe in Jesus? John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but what angle were that? You know what? We'll talk about it later. (laughs) And I love how his point here is like, look, obviously Muslims don't know shit about tits. So we're dealing with the real skeptics here. (laughs) Right. People who don't believe in magic? Uh, Uh, No, no. Uh, People who think he fainted. Those are the real skeptics, according to me, Lee Strobel. Now, I I should say, though, that this is a conspiracy theory that goes around quite a bit in the pseudo-Christian coexist cults. Right. Like the idea that Jesus just fainted on the cross and then woke up in the tomb thinking, man, this is going to freak Thomas right the fuck out here. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, some doubters tried to, quote, explain away the resurrection. And okay, first of all, fuck you. That's the dumbest phrase ever. You don't have to explain away resurrections. Anyway, they tried to explain away the resurrection by saying that Jesus only fainted from exhaustion on the cross and that he had been later revived by the cool, damp air of the tomb, <laughs> end quote. So, yeah, good work, Lee Strobel. I was about to ask, what if Jesus got nailed through his hands and feet and then got the vapors? Or <laughs> maybe just swooned at a handsome Roman soldier <laughs> and then got mouth-to-mouth from cave air? This has not been addressed. This is a good chapter. It's a good <laughs> chapter. Good stuff. The very foundation of my atheism is that Christ of Nazareth was actually a possum. <laughs> <laughs> but but even Lee admits that nobody takes it seriously here. He's like, look, this is the first time the academics are on my side in this entire fucking book. So <laughs> let me revel in it for a yeah, minute. Right, he's right. And and by the way, you remember that foremost pathologist guy? He is not the interview in this chapter. <laughs> nope. Right. Lee was just like, I guess, in his office when he wrote that intro, apparently, because when he finally gets around to introducing the 10th interview, uh, it's a different dude named Alexander Mithril, MD, PhD. Yeah. And he opens this one up by reflecting on how weird it is to be sitting in some old guy's living room talking to him about beating a Jew to death. Great. (laughs) His iced tea is good. This is good. All right. So let's talk about the Messiah's dick. Was it? Mutilated or like describe it exactly because this is our job. (laughs) Now, Lee explains, though, that he chose this guy because he was so dispassionate because Lee, quote, wanted the facts to speak for themselves without the hyperbole of charged language that might otherwise manipulate emotions, end quote. 
this time. In, in this interview, <laughs> because the facts actually are on his side for once. Yeah. Right. But but it doesn't mean that he didn't find a guy with a degree from the University of Miami <laughs> just sitting in his office. Hey, that's cute. Your diploma has a, a dolphin sticker on it. No, no, no. no. It is a dolphin sticker. Uh, oh. They just give you. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, dispassionate doesn't extend all the way to finding a guy who wasn't a Christian. Yeah. He, he admits before he's done talking about how silvery his hair is that the guy is already religiously obligated to agree with the book's thesis. Right. Right. And apparently... This is the only Christian who can talk about the crucifixion without literally fighting off tears. He's dispassionate, and it's amazing. And that makes me happy because it means Lee Strobel was just bawling by the end of this interview. He thinks that's what happens with everybody. Whimpering, curled up in a corner somewhere. Yeah. All right. So now, it, it of course, it's just not a Christian book until you dig into the details of just how tortured Jesus was. So we're going to dive into that for basically the chapter. <laughs> well, and in case you were wondering how long it would take for the expert to completely lose your confidence here, he's two paragraphs into the interview before he argues that Jesus literally sweat blood the day before the crucifixion. Like, like medically. Yes. So, like, sweat what? blood. Yeah, but it's apparently blood sweating from psychological stress. Mm -hmm. ah. Apparently the son of God... Just, you know, didn't have the spoons that week. He <laughs> couldn't even. But yeah, sweating blood is is a real thing, apparently, is what we learned. It's a condition called hematidrosis. And, sure. And honestly, I was just excited to learn about a medical condition I didn't have. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. Oh, there Not it yet. is. Never mind. There it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he points out that the blood sweating would have made Jesus's skin extra sensitive when he got flogged. So, you know. Jesus didn't just get regular flawed like a wuss, people. He had sensitive skin, a rash. Yeah. And then he goes full torture porn with his description of the whips the Romans used, uh, using terms like, quote, quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh, yeah. ill, and, quote, the bowels of the victim were open to exposure. Yeah. Bowels open to Exposure. Sorry, I'm just customizing a Jesus fuckbot at realdoll.com where you get delightful fuckbots. Call forward. Uh, actually, no, we're pre-recording this for after that episode comes That's out. That's right. So it's a, it's a callback, callback forward, right? Just, I said something. Yep. I just if, said something. If we repeat this and somehow figure out how to call up, up, BA, start, we will get 30 lives, guys. We can do this. How do we call up? <laughs> This guy seems obsessed with pointing out minor extra stuff that Jesus suffered through, too. He's constantly going, well, sure, being whipped sucks. But with all that blood loss, imagine how thirsty he was. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> he actually says that. Yes. And he, like, really had to pee. Like, super bad. Super Wait, bad. Man. Quivering ribbons of flesh. Super duper had to pee. Just yeah. If we're doing the whole list, you know, one of those things where like your dick feels numb, and you have that moment where you're like, "Oh, did I pee myself?" It was like that. It was like that. <laughs> and and again, just a reminder: this chapter is to convince us that Jesus didn't survive in their book. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel as though I'm being yelled at as I desperately slam my head into walls at Charing Cross, looking for platforms at nine and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, but enough of that savage pre-beating. It's time to get to the agony of the cross. Oh, my God. And he starts this off by explaining that he's got no issues with the good capital punishment like we have in the U.S. Mm -hmm. He's like, look, I love state-sponsored murders as much as the next guy, but only if they're sanitary. Keep that (laughs) shit clean. But most importantly, because they have a medical examiner right there in case we murder the Messiah again, and then pedantic truthers start asking for death certificates again. It's <laughs> bullshit. And not that it matters to this story or this chapter, but this part's not true. There's actually a tremendous amount of evidence that we fucked up a bunch of executions. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. no, right, right. He's just like, and then they just go to sleep. No, Timmy, it's fine. It's time they just go to sleep, right? We actually just drive them upstate to a farm. <laughs> <laughs> they can all the murder killers. all they want. All right, so at this point, Lee's Christian bloodlust really comes to the fore. He's like, tell me more about the size of the nails and shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, now tell me. (laughs) (laughs) And this is just a little moment, but Strobel's like, wait, I thought he was crucified through his hands. And the do- and it's a nonsense thing, but the doctor's just like, oh, yeah, that, because uh, of the uh, pictures and stuff. And he didn't really have the concept of the wrist yet. <laughs> it was just like hand and then shoulder, middle head, penis, simpler times. Don't worry about that obvious contradiction in our book and imagery. Yeah, yeah. At one point, Lee's like, tell me how painful. But Captain Trivia literally says, you ever hit your funny bone? <gasps> It's like that, but worse. Hey, he dies. <laughs> what? He dies so much. Her owie. Like, remember? <laughs> remember yeah. in Die Hard when Bruce Willis had to cross all that broken glass without his shoes on? There's nothing he can do about it, so he just did it anyway. He also there's this weird bit on the etymology of the word excruciating that is hilariously wrong. Right. Oh my God, it's amazing. He says, you know, that word means out of the cross. And that's true, basically. But then he goes, think about it. The pain from crucifixion was so bad, they needed a whole new word to describe it. But but the <laughs> no. word excruciating isn't <laughs> Latin. I, I mean, it has Latin origins, but that's an English word that showed up in the 16th century coined by Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this other word called uh, excruciating. Resurrecto truthical son of God. No other way to say this book in one word. There was. And then I just wrote 300 pages because I'm an asshole on top of it. But then right here at the end of this paragraph, he undoes all of the hard work because he's like, and then they pounded nails through his feet, which would also have been bad. Not sure why I spent so much time on the wrist thing. Let me clarify. Having nails pounded into your body is bad for you. Um, (laughs) And generally uncomfortable. Right. And then we get to a heading called The Calls of Death, where Lee's like, Methril had been extremely graphic about Jesus's suffering, but not graphic enough, damn it. Tell me more. Oh, it was so bad I couldn't help but read this part in in like my Dan Carlin voice. Uh, Nine months (laughs) later than you promised. It was something like that, yeah. Also... By the way, if if you were wondering which of the conflicting reports of Christ's last words on the cross uh, were true, it was Luke's version. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where Methrel explains how Jesus knew he was dying. Um, 
being crucified wasn't a big enough clue, I guess. No. But this is how so we got the perfect timing on his closing line. <laughs> right. He was like, yeah, this feels like I'm getting respiratory acidosis, which means my heartbeat should start getting irregular. Okay, there it is. There it is. Luke, Luke, write this down. <laughs> Luke, write this down. Not you, Matthew, Mark, and John. You guys make up something different. Luke, write this down. Okay, three, two, one. Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit, and I'm dead. Nailed it. Nailed it. Crucified. Nails. Hilarious. That's all for me. All right. So for those of you who didn't grow up around this shit like me, uh, uh, here's what he's explaining. Apparently, when your arms are above your head, you can only breathe in. So in order to breathe when you're being crucified, you got to like scoot your way up the cross like a bear trying to scratch his back on a tree to breathe out. And is anyone else just picturing a bunch of guys bobbing up and down like the Oompa Loompas on the hill He then explains with science why the book has water squirting out of the dead oh, Jesus. My it, it, and, okay, of all the things to drill down with in this silly explanation, Lee goes, hold on though, hold on. The gospel says it was blood that came out first and then water, but you're saying it would have been water and then blood. This makes no sense. <laughs> and the doctor's like, yeah, well, I don't know ancient Greek, but I'm pretty sure they just put words in any fucking order they felt like it. So don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Just, <laughs> still right. So much of that excuse in this book. And I love his big clothes where he's like, okay, so at this point, what would Jesus's condition have been? And Mithril's like, dead, man. <laughs> <laughs> In your expert opinion, was he dead, totally fine and faking it, or body double? Which would you say? Sorry, no, just A or B. The last, I don't even know why I said the last C is Muslim. I wouldn't have, I'm not a Muslim. Then he goes into detail about why breaking somebody's legs would speed up a crucifixion. Because right. and this, is, this is because Jesus's legs were not broken, just like the prophecy said. Yeah, his bones would be unbroken. Um. Okay. But you just spent the last hour explaining how broken his arms would have been mm. because of all the stuff. Jangly key. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Well, at one point in this exchange, he follows up one of the interviewees' points by writing in to Shay, I thought. <laughs> I feel like that sums up Lee's entire contribution to yes. this book, really. Touche. Yes. You're right, you handsome <laughs> devil, you. <laughs> Pretty sure this book was written by Lee writing phrases like that, and damn, he's good. And then just you know, I'll fill in the rest. <laughs> I got notes. All right, Lee, come on in, come on in. So uh, last month you had Touche and damn, he's good written down. <laughs> Let's see the new draft. Did you add anything? All right, well, it just says amaze balls and mind blown. That's uh, sorry, not to correct you. It's mind. Blown. Okay, great, great, amaze balls. Here's another check. <laughs> I'm an atheist. <laughs> now, of course, we also learn here that Jesus couldn't have still been alive after they took him off the cross because the Romans were amazing at killing people. And that's true, though they were. They were cool, cool. So, um, about the sun going out. Let me crucify you right now and see if you survive. Right. Now. <laughs> All right, and then Lee throws up his hands and he says, well, shit, I'm out of arguments for the atheist side. Do, do you have any? And, and Methril doesn't, <laughs> by the way. 
Well, he pretends to have one for a second, though, just so he can just straw man the fuck out. He's like, oh, hold on, hold on. What if Jesus held his breath? No, no, somebody would have made him laugh. (laughs) There are zero arguments left for skeptics. QED. We're done. (laughs) And then Lee goes, and besides, even if he did survive the crucifixion, He'd have probably been all messed up, like, you know, late second act Bruce Willis. Huh? He, he's all fucked up. Also, I have to point this out. Notice how the spear wound keeps getting more and more fatal in Methril's recounting. Right. Okay. So in John, it only says that, quote, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus's side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. End quote. That's all that any of the gospels say about it. But Methril says he stabbed him through his lung and his heart. And by the end of it, he literally refers to the spear in the side as, quote, a spear wound to his chest. <sighs> if this chapter was any <laughs> longer, it would have been an adolescent penis. xenomorph that popped out of his fucking body. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he knows the biggest argument against the Christian religion is. What if Jesus was just the Black Knight from Monty Python? (laughs) (laughs) And now, 2,000 years later, we're reading I'll Bite Your Legs Off by Lee (laughs) Strobel. Lovely. All right, so then we get a subheading that, you know, bodes real well for a scientific inquiry about the death of Jesus. It says, a question for the heart. (laughs) And it literally starts with this sentence, quote, convincingly, masterfully, Methril had established his case beyond a reasonable doubt, end quote. So um, now that everybody's either a Christian or stupid, we'll proceed. (laughs) (laughs) And this section is so mind-numbingly corny. Like, I expected Strobel to, like, show us the thumbs-up scene from Terminator 2, start cutting onions. (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, it's not a Lee Strobel chapter until we sit back and think on what we've done. So we're going to close things off tonight with a couple of his deliberations. He had four for us this time. Question one. After considering Methril's account, do you see any validity to the swoon theory? Why or why not? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Jesus didn't rub some tussin in the crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After considering Methril's account, I'm not sure I see any validity in even carrying on in a world filled with humans. How about that? (laughs) Okay, well, just maybe don't call it the swoon theory. Like, Jesus went to a Beatles concert in the front row and passed out with some girls. But yeah, regardless, nobody thinks Jesus was like, snore, 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 and then escaped. That's not what anybody said. No. I mean, am I comparing it with the man God rose from the dead theory? Because I don't believe either of them, but there's one I don't believe harder. (laughs) Right. right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, as bad as this theory is, it's still better than the one Christians sell. All right. Question two. For two millennia, the cross has been a symbol for Christians. Now that you've read Methril's testimony, how might your own view of that symbol be different in the future? Uh, I'll imagine myself cramming it down the throat of a bloviating forensic <laughs> pathologist in Southern California, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm noticeably more sexually attracted to Christian people now. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. yeah. Good Off note. Shot. Um, yeah, I mean, and what I learned from this chapter is that they should be wearing it driven through their funny bone <laughs> for accuracy. Come on, <laughs> right? No, yeah, exactly. You owe me. Yeah, I was like, I was, I'm reading that question. I'm like, yeah, I never knew they hung a dude on that thing. Totally different ball game now, I guess. Like, we knew what the thing was. Okay, question three. Would you be willing to suffer for the sake of another person? For whom and why? 
What would it take to motivate you to endure torture in the place of someone else? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like labels. So. <laughs> I mean, I showed up for this segment again and yeah, I'm fucking tortured all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, yeah, it would take a lot. I mean, you know, maybe if my dad was omnipotent and created a torture dimension for people who didn't love him enough and I could give all the humans in the world and then the future of the world a chance to not get stuck there for eternity, then it would be a no-brainer. But like, <laughs> in most circumstances, that would be a hard question. <laughs> yeah, but like, the problem is it's not that hard because I absolutely would. And it defeats their religion. Like, I would get crucified instead of my wife. And as my internet history proves, I am very much not the son of God. So, (laughs) kind of wrecks the whole conceit, doesn't it? All right, so then we get question four. How would you react to the soldiers that were abusing, humiliating, and torturing you as they did Jesus? What could possibly account for Jesus's reaction, which was to utter in the midst of his agony, Father, forgive them? Again, according to one of the Gospels and not the other. And I'm just going to start off by saying that anyone who has ever been through airport security with me already knows exactly how I'd react <laughs> to those Roman soldiers. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't forgive them, but my roasts from the cross, oh, they would have killed. They would, I, would have <laughs> I love how much of this book is just Lee Strobel going, I mean, other than severe mental illness in a time when people thought that was caused by demons? What could possibly explain this? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, look at this. My bowels are inside out. No. <laughs> I look like Matthew after that night I did the wine trick. I'm looking. <laughs> I look like no illusions after going through airport security, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for Chapter 11. Only four more to go. And we'll be back in a few weeks to make that three. Heath, Lucinda, Eli, thanks as always, guys. $60,000 Before we kick back on the couch for our pre-pie nap, I wanted to thank everybody who chipped in to make Vulgarity for Charity such a resounding success this year. I'm actually recording this outro before the fundraiser ends, so I can't drop the final sum on you yet, but suffice to say, it was huge. We smashed through all our previous records. We more than doubled the amount raised last time, and we made a lot of people's lives better. Now, the fundraiser part is over, but there are still a lot of insults to get to. So if you haven't heard yours yet, don't worry. We haven't forgotten you. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. An even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this would be the worst possible day to neglect to thank people. So huge thanks to Heath Enright for busting his ass to make sure we could get all the vulgarity for charity stuff done and still have time off for the holiday. I need to thank Eli Bosnick, who also busted Heath's ass to make that happen. I want to thank the lovely Lucinda Lusions for something ass-related, too, but I don't need to spell it out here. I also want to thank Tom, Cecil, the Babe, Andrew, Thomas, Seth Andrews, Mark and Dan, and everybody who donated time or money to make vulgarity for charity happen. Also want to thank Nick Cage for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. Turns out he does voiceovers, two for a dollar. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most marvelous mammals, Michael, David, Stephen, Brandon, Stewart, Andrew, Adam, and Todd. Michael, David, and Stephen, whose dicks are so long they're a parade even when they walk alone. Brandon, Stewart, and Adam, whose erections give Plymouth Rock rigidity envy. And Andrew and Todd, who are so sexy that when they stuff a turkey, it comes. Together, these eight amiable atheists aided our aim to alienate the amoral Abrahamic anuses this week by giving us money. 
Not everybody has what it takes to give us money because it takes money that you don't need for other shit. But if you have money you don't need for other shit, you can give it to us. You can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode. Or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help but you don't have money you don't need for other shit, you can also help a ton by liking our Facebook page, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, and telling your pastor about the show. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you find all the contact info on the contact page at scanningads.com. And count. Yeah, Counting. this is we're I'm we're doing this when you're box. listening to this, it's way higher. Yeah. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC, copyright twenty eighteen, all rights reserved.